When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. If you would like to learn how to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com slash writing excuses. Season 11, episode 35. This is Writing Excuses, humor Q&A with Victoria Schwab. 15 minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Brandon. I'm Mary. I'm Howard. I'm Dan. And we have special guest star Victoria Schwab. Thank you for coming. Tell us about yourself. (laughs) Thank you for having me. Um, Yeah, I write books for all ages, from children to teens to adults. I write fantasy about the lines between life and death and good and evil and hero and villain. Excellent. And we also have our Phoenix Comic Con audience here. We're going to be answering their questions. And I got several asking a very similar question. How do you add humor to a serious story without breaking the mood? Or how do you inject humor into a dramatic scene without breaking the building tension? That one was from Trent. Um, Humor can actually be really good, excuse me, for deflating a little bit of tension on purpose. Mm. In a dramatic story, you can use it as a pressure valve to, you know, keep, not to let all the pressure out altogether, but just to bleed a little bit of it off so that the, uh, so that the tension stays high without being unreadably tense. The other great thing you can do, though, one of the tricks I like to use is when someone is using humor in a very dramatic scene, you can have that humor fall flat on purpose. Mm. Uh, so that the rest of the characters are like, this is not the time. You should not have said that here. Another, another trick, and the, the best example I can think of that doesn't actually do it in this way, but that is probably memorable, is uh, the moment where they're emerging from the ground in Young Frankenstein, uh, and uh, Marty Feldman says, well, it could be worse. It could be raining. And then it begins to rain. Uh, if the joke that is being told is relieving tension but is about something that makes the situation worse, then you have relieved pressure while still keeping us rolling forward. I think the other thing is that if you think about where the character is, because in real life, we, we, that's what we use humor for. Frequently is to, to mm-hmm. reduce tension. That's where gallows humor comes from. Um, Emergency room doctors have wicked senses of humor. Uh, Military people, even though I've never done this thing, but all of my friends who served talk about the jokes that are cracked 
you know, while people are shooting at them. I've been there, like, not people shooting at me, but with, uh, with military people right after deployment. And he would start cracking jokes and then stomp because we were just all looking at him horrified, the types of jokes he's telling. He's like, all right, right, I have to go back to being among civvies now and temper my humor. Yeah. yeah. I think the darker, I write very dark stories, and I think the darker the story, the more necessary those beats of levity are for balance in it. And so I tend to have a, a lot of gallows humor, mm. what I call that borderline hysterical, like where mm. someone is either about to burst into laughter or tears, and I give them that option to have that exhale, that moment of humor instead. And it, it, it doesn't play off as funny all the time. It plays off as, as relief. Mm-hmm. It's, I have to give my character some way to exhale in that scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A, a writer who does this really well is Shane Black, who did mm-hmm. the Lethal Weapon movies, yep. uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which is wonderful, and has those moments where people are cracking jokes because yeah. the alternative is to break down. Yeah. yeah uh, we, we've talked about this a little bit on a previous podcast, that one of the, the things the reason that humor is effective as that resting spot as opposed to letting them take a nice nap um, is because of a a physiological thing, which is that when you laugh, it actually keeps your diaphragm tense. Mm. And that means that you never fully relax. So it it gives you the sense of, it gives you more of a plateau than a a dip in energy, uh, which allows you, it's like, you know, when you're going up steps, that, that single landing allows you to keep going up more steps. So that tension, that laughter allows you to actually crank the tension up higher after that moment. That where you want to watch out for it is when it actually stops the forward action. And then that gets back to the question of how to use it. If it is coming in a moment when it will stop the forward action, that's the wrong place. You want it right before that action or right after it as part of the recovery. Excellent. Now, this one's um, a question close to my heart because it's something I have theories on and I, I think it's a very uh, fun topic. My sense of humor consists only of dad jokes, Wes writes. <laughs> How do I get real humor into my writing? And now, for those who might not know, dad jokes are what the, the new term for just really bad puns, right? Um, in Korea, they call them solong jokes, um, which means cold. Um, and so if you say one, they will actually make gestures with their hands that they're, that they're cold. Like, oh, that was such a cold joke. Um, <laughs> how do you keep this from happening? I'm going to take a stab at this one, and I want to hear what the, um, the audience says, or the, the podcasters say, because I have kids now. Um, and I've noticed that to them, I have to make my jokes so obvious because they're too young, they don't have the shared context. And I think this is where the term dad joke comes from. The jokes um, have to be very, very obvious, simple word plays. Um, and so for me, because if you go look at Shakespeare, most of Shakespeare is puns. Most of Shakespeare is wordplay, um, and they are brilliant. And there is a line between that and dad jokes somewhere. And that line is the more obvious and groaner you make it. And if you look at the really good puns, then they are doing multiple things in a scene. They are advancing character and plot. They are showing you something about somebody, or they're just really an interesting turn on the phrase that is somehow offering commentary while at the same time being a double meaning. These sorts of puns are are going to be really great when ones that are just, you know, the, um, you know, high, whatever, high, uh, high, high tired, I'm dad, right? I'm tired. Oh, I'm high tired. I'm dad. Those are the the quintessential dad jokes. Those don't work because they are so telegraphed. And in our humor episodes, we talked about telegraphing and how it can ruin a joke. 
at risk of putting a stake in very contested ground, mm -hmm. I think that the the birth of dad jokes mm -hmm. was the prevalence of uh, of 20th century humor being delivered to us by the editorial board of newspapers in the mm -hmm. funny papers. Uh, and that's what many of our dads grew up with. Okay. If you look at newspaper comics, the jokes never move beyond a certain level or rarely move beyond a certain level because of that editorial board, which is trying to keep it at kid level or accessibility level. I would say the sitcoms reading, are the same humor. Yeah. Reading humor that is better than dad joke humor is your best way to expose yourself <laughs> to something that is funnier than what you currently well, tell. Well, I would also say that the breed of humor has mm -hmm. to suit the context. I mean, something like Gallo's humor works in very, very dark yeah. stories. Dad joke pun style humor works in a very different context. So suiting the breed of humor to the setting and to the environment is of the utmost importance. A dad joke works in a certain atmosphere, whereas it's definitely not going to work like in the middle of a battlefield unless it's so in character for one of them and right. out of context as to be funny. Yeah. I mean, Spider-Man mm -hmm. is known for this yes. type of joke in the middle of those contests and exactly. people love it. If it matches the character, I think that's a very good point. Some characters you want to have humor like this because that's how people really are. Yeah, and a lot of times where the humor comes from is not the joke itself, but the way mm -hmm. everyone responds to it. Yeah. So, you know, having everybody respond to a joke that totally falls flat is often funnier. That's, that's mm -hmm. why you'll see comedians often when they tell a bad joke and it doesn't fly and they're like no no let me let me tell you that again this is funny because mm -hmm. no really i'm telling you this is this joke is killer no it's it's funny really it really it's funny um, and eventually that will make people laugh Honest, it will. <laughs> so this joke really is funny. <laughs> See? Ha, yeah. Thank you, Brandon. <laughs> Fine, um, I'm saving you. No. Yeah, but the, the other thing is, you know, what Victoria was saying, that it depends on the context. Um, Piers Anthony has made a career of puns. Yes, of really bad ones. Really times. bad puns. Yeah. I mean, that is his entire series. And, and then Robert Asprin with the, the mything ink, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. these, there's nothing wrong with this humor. If right. it's funny to you, there are probably other people, just maybe not your family. Okay, I think I've mentioned Arrested Development in all three humor episodes so far, but if you want to see puns done right and super intelligent, watch Arrested Development. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate. What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Let's go ahead and stop for our book of the week. Victoria, you are going to pitch to us Shades of Magic. Yeah, so uh, the Shades of Magic series is my ongoing fantasy series right now, and it starts with a darker shade of magic, continues with a gathering of shadows, and a conjuring of light will be out next spring. It is essentially about a magician with the ability to move between alternate versions of London, Mm. officially as a courier and unofficially as a smuggler of rare artifacts. And he comes into possession of something he very much shouldn't have and immediately has his pocket picked by a cross-dressing thief named Delilah Bard. Awesome. Victoria, (laughs) when when people are looking for that, is that under V.E. Schwab? Yes, sorry, I should say that. I have multiple personalities, as Mm. I think we'll get into, but I I write for children and teens as Victoria Schwab, and I write adult fantasy as V.E. Schwab. Excellent. So, A Darker Shade of Magic by V.E. Schwab. Yes, exactly. Did you cover quote these, Dan? Uh, I did Vicious, which was a different series. Oh, that's right, right. But all of her stuff is awesome. Thank you. How do you make sure your humor is really funny and not just funny to you? Have other people read it. Beta readers. Yeah. Okay, that one's done. (laughs) (laughs) How does the culture of the world you write in influence the humor? Oh, that's a great one. That's a great... I was actually going to mention that in terms of puns, is that I group Mm -hmm. puns with idioms as a thing which is really culturally specific. And so when I'm creating a world or an environment or a city, a society, I pay a lot of attention to their folk tales, their idioms, and their humor. And I think those are three of the easiest ways to really get in on the ground floor of whatever society you're creating. Yeah. It's tricky. I have only pulled it off a couple of times where I will take something that has the form of a dad joke that we are Mm -hmm. familiar with and I will substitute alien words and everybody understands, oh, this is the aliens telling a joke and none of us get the joke. And, well, it's obviously a bad joke because this one alien is making a face. And what mm-hmm. that does is it throws the doors wide open and tells us, oh, this is a real place that is so big I don't get all the jokes. Yeah. You know, this is a really interesting one because it also isn't really funny. Um, Robert Jordan did this in his series. And what he did is he has a group of people that are culturally very distinct from most of the main characters. And this group of people has a humor that doesn't work for the main characters. And they would do things, and the main characters would all be like, is that a joke? I don't get their humor. But he did this so consistently that by the end of the series, I knew when they were joking and was actually chuckling. Even though I didn't share their cultural context. Now, he had 10 epic fantasy books to do that. (laughs) It did not work until the later books. Talk about a long con. Yeah. That's why he wrote so many of them. Mm -hmm. Um, I I have noticed, 
That's the long game. For <laughs> <you>. <laughs> living, living uh, cause I've lived a few years in Mexico. I've lived a few years in Germany. In both cases, once I learned the language, I started making jokes mm. and everyone assumed I just didn't know how to speak properly. And so that's something that I found very interesting for cross-cultural jokes where people, you, people assume you just are not doing it right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, this is, um, I often look at, you know, contemporary comedians or people who are writing urban fantasy, and I'm like, oh, luxury, yeah. right? <laughs> luxury, because in a secondary world fantasy, a lot of the jokes we tell are related to something in our world or our shared context. If you go watch, you know, um, John Oliver and the jokes he's cracking, 90% of those jokes wouldn't work in a fantasy book because he's making fun of some celebrity or some shared context or something like this. And if you substitute that for something silly in world, it actually usually falls flat. Um, and so I've had a lot of trouble with this one. But I think that that's one thing that you can do, actually, to help the reader get mm-hmm. context. What, what Howard was talking about was you know, taking a familiar form. like, um, and, and insults are often one yeah. of the ways... Like uh, McCoy insulting, you know, the green-eared, or green-eared, green-blooded, pointy-eared. <laughs> yes. mm-hmm. That the, these things tell you specific things about, they can enlighten you about the culture. And I think one of the things you can do is take um, what we do all the time when we're writing is we combine the familiar and the strange. So, you know, we all know what it is like to have someone who uh, has bad table manners, and you can make a joke, you can craft a joke around someone who's got bad table manners that lets you know what the table manners are for that. Right. So you, yeah. can, you can... Accomplishing multiple things with your jokes is yes. very handy. Um, this one is very interesting. Will asks, when is humor necessary in horror? Can you write a horror book without humor? Dan? <laughs> I'm just thinking about all the... Uh, <clears throat> The humor horror that I love, they, they, they mm-hmm. work so well together. You absolutely can write them without humor, but you're missing so many great jokes. Yeah. If, I don't, if I don't laugh, I can't cry. If I, I, the, I, I, I have to have both poles in order to really experience uh, the dark stuff, and I will fall further mm-hmm. into the abyss of your horror if you've given me something to laugh at. I mean, I'm sure it can be done. All the horror that I've written, I've put humor in it for exactly that reason. But also, kind of we were talking earlier about the sense of necessary deflation, it's a really great mechanism as a writer, if you're writing horror, to give that false sense of deflation, to be like, oh, and we're okay, no, we're not okay. And I think having that moment where you dare to exhale because you think we're through it or it's funny or it kind of knocks you off your guard for a second makes the fear so much better because you don't acclimate to fear that. that Well, and and I will also say, having now just, you know, advocated humor as a part of horror, (laughs) you have to balance it carefully. And we can all name horror movies that have fallen way over the cliff into camp and just aren't working as horror anymore. And I would say that... um, as an example, um, uh, Lovecraft, who's problematic in some areas, but he did not put humor in those stories, no. and they were true horror. So I would say it is possible. All you need is one example to prove it, and so it is possible. Most movies I've seen do it, but Sixth Sense doesn't use a lot of humor. Uh, Sixth Sense uh, doesn't have a lot. Um, yeah. The Others, yeah. which is a wonderful ghost story. Uh, mm-hmm. The Changeling, which is my favorite haunted house story. Yeah. There's really no humor in any of those. Yeah. So. 
All right. What, where, or what, where slash what is the line between a book whose purpose is to be comedic and a book that could have funny parts in it? That is actually going to depend, I think, um, on the reader as much as the writer. Mm. Uh, because there are books, like you can sit down and say, I'm going to write a book that's here for funny, that is in fact really moving to someone. You know, Terry Pratchett, we think of him as being a a humor writer, but his book, Small Gods, Mm -hmm. is one of the, I think, best looks at religion and relationship to religion that I've ever read. I I think Pratchett is the is the border case that you want to look at because mm-hmm. Color of Magic was very very clearly written as a humor book that yep. was a fantasy farce and his later stuff is fantasy that we laugh at. And so if you want to know where that, the Tiffany Yankee book. Yeah. If you um, want to know where that line yeah. is Watch his line. Right, I would agree. It's right yeah. through Terry Pratchett. Yeah. It, it goes back to what Brandon was saying about the purpose of the elemental genres. You know, mm. if the if your book is being driven by humor or if it's just a book driven by something else that has humor in it, well, then you know. Yeah. We're running low on time. I want to do one more because I've got something to say on it. Uh, <laughs> ben asks, how do you make dialogue sound natural but still funny? Um, and I, I like this question because it's not something we covered, but I think it's very vital to this, is um, dialogue, often the more funny it gets, the less natural it will be. Um, I love Joss Wheaton's writing. His dialogue is not very natural. So you do have to decide where you want to be on this kind of spectrum. Do you want to have natural? And you can be funny with natural dialogue, but I feel you can't be doing the word plays as much um, because even the smart people I know who are really quick with things, what they do are pop culture references as their humor, not the word plays and things. Um, but you, you, I would say my answer to this is if you want to be funny and natural, it's got to be character-based. It's characters kind of um, making fun of each other or being awkward in a situation and not knowing which fork to use or things like this and make it character-based. And the more word-based it gets, then the, the less natural it will be. But that's not necessarily a bad thing. Simple, simple exercise. Take a bit of dialogue humor that, is, that, that fits in your book and put it in the mouth of every character in the book and figure out whose mouths it absolutely cannot come out of mm. and whose mouth, whose mouth it might work for. And once you've performed that exercise, you get this sense of, oh, this joke can be natural if it's told by the right, right. person. Or this joke just doesn't fit in my book anywhere. I think conversations have a natural cadence to them. Mm -hmm. And so I tend to write my dialogue from the inside out. I write my dialogue from the point of the conversation, whether it's a joke or whatever it is, and then back it out from there. And by doing that, I think you can find the hills and valleys of the conversation and the more natural places to have moments of levity or moments of drama. So I think half of naturalistic writing is understanding, one, can it be spoken out loud and actually sound like dialogue? And two, does it follow actual natural patterns that aren't just, hello, hello, how are you, how are you, like getting to the point. It's not a knock-knock lead-up. I took a, a, a class from Jane Espenson, who's a fantastic writer, worked with Joss Whedon, mm-hmm. um, and she talked about dialogue, or the, she talked about joke areas, that when she has a joke that's not hitting, um, that what she does is she looks at it, and, and there are two things she's looking for. One is, what function does it serve in the plot? And the other is, why is the character saying it? 
And those two things allow her to tune the joke so that it is carrying both loads. So, like, you can have somebody... The, the, she had examples from, from scripts, but the line, what did you say? That's uh, not a joke, but uh, what did you say? That can mean... Um, I can't hear you. That can mean mm-hmm. I don't believe what you said. Right. That can mean, you know, I'm, mm-hmm. I, you know we're, we're going to take this outside now. It can mean a lot of different mm-hmm. things. And it's ambiguous. And t- tweaking it to make it more specific to the character mm-hmm. will also make it more naturalistic and, and usually funnier. Right. Well, that is great. Um, these questions were great. I'm sorry for those of you I didn't get to your questions. But I want to thank our audience. <laughs> And I want to thank Victoria for being our special guest. Thank you. <laughs> and we are going to end with a writing prompt. Howard? Um, I came up with this three and a half minutes ago. Uh, <laughs> write a joke and have each of your characters tell that joke. And, and find a way for them to tell that joke in their style. That is perfect. This has been Writing Excuses. You're out of excuses. Now go write. Writing Excuses is a Dragonsteel production, jointly hosted by Brandon Sanderson, Dan Wells, Mary Robinette Kowal, and Howard Taylor. This episode was mastered by Alex Jackson. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.